welcome to this Expert Insights audio CD. I'm Donna Hansen from Prime Solutions Training and Consulting. Our Expert Insights CD series is designed to give human resources and learning and development professionals access to the latest trends, ideas, philosophies and approaches that impact on how organisations manage, retain, engage and recruit staff. We all know that HR and L&D roles are all encompassing and that it's often hard to find the time to step outside your world and explore what's happening in other organisations. Prime's Expert Insights CDs are designed to provide you with concise information on topics relevant to you on a regular basis in a format that maximises your time and keeps you up to date with current trends in the industry. In this Expert Insights CD, we speak with Ricky Novak. A little bit about Ricky. She's known as the communication catalyst for her ability to get results. Ricky has been a standout light in leadership training skills for over 20 years. She's known for her ability to get results by inspiring leaders to create positive and sustainable change in behaviour and outcome. She's a published author, professional speaker, presenter and executive coach. Ricky is one of only 18 professional coaches in Australia accredited to deliver the stakeholder centre coaching model developed by US master coach Marshall Goldsmith. The methodology is effective, time efficient and proven to enable successful people to lead more effectively via long-term leadership behaviour change. An executive coach for the Australian Institute of Company Directors and a certified member of the Australian Human Resources Institute, Ricky, why don't you tell us how you came to be a specialist in the leadership and development and coaching area? Hi Donna, how are you? I'm great. Well, I'm really keen to answer that question because I think when we all look at our own development, there are many things that influence us and the best way I think to explain how I became a specialist in the area is to align it with the Japanese word Kaizen. Little by little, it didn't come all at once. And to me, becoming a specialist is is absolutely no exception in an incremental process. Uh, I believe they're really based on the four critical factors which influence our success. Um, in, in a way, I can even call it the cash principle, but we play around with all these actually. <laughs> I like and, it already. Yeah, I, I thought you might. And um, we talk about the, ca- the knowledge, the attitudes, the skills and the habits. Um, these are the things that are our, our cash. Um, the broader our experience is and the more knowledge we gather, this influences our attitude, enabling us to see how important it is to grow our skill base and ultimately change patterns of behaviour. That all sounds really interesting. Ricky, tell me more. Well, in addition, the one thing that's enhanced all the learning was to expand my networks, which included experts that I admired so I could learn from them, either personally or or in a professional coaching capacity myself, helping me determine how best to define and redefine my own authentic style of training, coaching or presenting. In in other words, becoming a specialist um, needed to be defined and, and refined down to specific details, not generic, not too big, but really to drill down. So, Ricky, tell our listeners, what was your background before you became a specialist in this area? I came from a theatrical background and hence um, I use a lot of that theatrical and performance-based improvisational style 
to enhance the quality of the scenarios that, that people will experience. So, for example, um, using a, a training background, a performance background, um, an interactive background really helps to engage the hearts, the heads and the minds. Excellent. Terrific. So in our uh, recording today, we're going to be talking about five ways human resources and learning and development professionals uh, can unlock their human and creative potential of their organisation. So do you want to share with us briefly, first of all, what the five... ...about this, um, because there are five ways, but they splinter off into so many ways, don't they, for all of us. You know, we've got five key things that we do that we always fall back to and follow up on but each one in itself can can break into so many different um, capacities but the ones that I want to share with you today are the ones that I do regularly and then I allow them to um, expand with other networks and, and the first one is around surrounding myself with other experts in either an informal or formal capacity but you've got to put skin in the game all right, well, we'll explore that one. So that's the first one. What's the second one, Ricky? Um, get regular and critical feedback around key areas that people influence. So they're accountable to and for the improvement that they are looking for. Well, that, that one sounds challenging, but we'll talk a bit more about that one too. What's number three? Um, attending international, national conferences, building networks and, and going to some of the association events both inside and external to your own network. Mm, I know you're a big advocate for that and again I'm sure we'll talk a little more about that. What's number four? Building strategic alliances with other practitioners. Uh, so sharing best practice regularly mm. becomes part of the way we do business. Terrific. And number five? Uh, I believe it's very important to visit other premises of other specialists, of other organisations, other HR and L&D professionals to see how their processes uh, and actions work. So I'm looking forward to having a great conversation around all of these. Let, let's start with the first one, which was surround yourselves with other experts, either in formal or formal capacity, but put skin in the game. Tell me a little more about your thoughts around that. Uh, let's start with putting skin in the game. That means you've got to put money on the table or you've got to put a commitment in time or both. Without either of those um, core elements, it's too easy to make excuses and water down um, the opportunities and look and find some excuses around it. Well, not today, I'm too busy or it didn't work last time or I, I don't feel like it. Um, surrounding yourself with other experts um, is an important part of the way we do business. Um, we've got to diarise it. We've got to make time. What we're doing today, talking about it, finding out what people are actually doing it, uh, doing, but also making sure that there's a form of um, accountability and follow-up. Uh, for example, I've got a mastermind group. Uh, we meet four times a year with seven other colleagues. Now, what this actually means is we diarise those days and come hell or high water, we don't change them. Um, and the reason is that um, these are core business development days where we support and enhance business opportunities and creation of innovation in businesses. If we say I'm too busy or I can't be bothered or it wasn't so good last time, I may not go. What we're really doing is setting in, in motion a process that 
um, disqualifies the credibility of other people for other people in in the group. I surround myself with those experts regularly. I hear from them. They give me feedback. I give them feedback. Um, it costs us a day's work every few months, but there's also follow-up, and that's where we really, you know, the rubber hits the road, so to speak. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing that I do is I belong to relevant associations, but here's the difference. I'm an active member. So I can be a member of Institute of Company Directors, which I am, but if I don't go along to any of their events, if I don't meet and greet people at some of the um, uh, scenarios or events that they have and I don't um, engage in good conversation with them on the day, prepare myself for the conversation, prepare myself for who's going to be there, know what the purpose is of going, understand what objective I have, what's the why I'm actually there and what I want to get out of, out of it, what my expectations are and what my results are, I will just put money on the table, go along and say, oh, yeah, just tick, it, tick the box and that's just another event. We've got to go to these events become and become active members. Um, same with um, ARI. You can go along to any of the events from ARI. You can go to the super conferences, have a great time. But unless there's real follow-up, you make contact with the speakers, you find out more, you go along, you pull it apart and be robust in it, it just becomes another manual on the shelf or another $1,000 that you pay to go along somewhere that doesn't give you traction. So I guess what you're saying there, it's all about having a, a point and a purpose and that, you know, like a, like an accountant would be a, a member of a professional body, um, you know, where they get, um, you know, PD hours. It's the same in any group. And by actively participating, not only are you developing yourself, but you're also um, pressing the flesh, as you said, with, with people who are in a similar industry to yourself. And you, you might actually find a solution to a problem that you're experiencing in your organisation or a different perspective. Would I be right in that? You're absolutely right in, in a sense that sometimes the perspective comes when you least expect it mm. um, because you're calibrating information from a, a lot of different people and you're filtering and sometimes you've got um, an opportunity to, uh, to think more clearly when you're challenged by people who don't share the, the, your view of the world mm. um, and it helps you filter out what's working and also what's not. Yep, and I think more, more clearly. I think it's a matter of going in with an open mind and and maybe thinking about well, what are the challenges that you've got in your business, and thinking well, even when you are going to some of these association events, you might not have a, a mastermind group per se like you do, but ultimately your associations, your professional industry groups, are like your own personal mastermind, aren't they? Very much, and what I've found is that um, you're having conversations with people. Um, that you would not normally ha have an opportunity in the day-to-day -day busyness of your job. Um, and it's also you're working and hearing from people in diverse industries and backgrounds who are going to shake you up a little bit, who don't share your view of the world. And because you are, if, and as you said, if you've got an open mind, because you're involved in those conversations, um, you you are engaging um, at a deeper level mm. more often. And, and even if it's not a deeper level on the day, um, there are things that will disturb you and they're the things that you say, well, what can I do about that? 
Um, do, have I got an opportunity to do something more about that? Um, how can I do that? Who do I need to follow up with? Mm-hmm. Um, and why? What's the purpose? And it makes you all more accountable. And, and that's a good thing mm. because otherwise we all become very vanilla, you know, and it, it's not really the place to be in business. After all, we're all in the business of business and making things more rigorous and robust around processes and people, procedures, and uh, putting skin in the game really requires some thought as to what you're going to do. I mean, I have a coach uh, as well, and, and the coach whips me around a little bit too <laughs> in following up. Uh, and these are the, the things that I think make us um, a specialist because and, and I we think, don't know it all and we want to get people as well on our side. I think too that having a coach, you know, um, you and I might be entrepreneurs in our own organisations but it's certainly not something to be discounted for people who are within organisations because what mm-hmm. it does is it allows you to plan your career path whether, you know, you're continuing in the same role because you're happy and you're satisfied but finding different challenges within, um, you know, the organisation that you're in can be can be pretty tough can't it yeah really and I think when you have those conversations with people and they're not scared to admit that uh, they're as as vulnerable sometimes as anybody else you can start getting some really good traction mm-hmm. I mean often um, you know I'll invite key leaders to be interviewed um, that also helps me stay at the top of my game because I'm hearing about what 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 is going on um, in the lives and the worlds of some of the people who are running the the big organisations, and they too, you know, will readily admit they don't have the answers to solving the big banks' problems or the big accounting firms' problems. But having an outside thinking partner and an external confidant actually helps them stay on the top of their game because. They're more readily equipped to respond quickly um, and in a timely manner in in a variety of different ways. That's why they're experts. That's why they're going to be leading companies. Um, And it's those lovely leadership interviews that I have with with people that I learn an enormous amount about about behaviour, about people and about triggers of emotion and also triggers of... Um, determination. Mm. I've, I've got two other questions that have sort of come up around this first topic that I'd, I'd like to get your perspective on for our listeners, Ricky. Um, we talk about formal and informal experts and putting skin in the game. One of the big things that, uh, you know, is, is taking a lot of um, uh, interest away is the fact that, you know, we can utilise social media. It doesn't cost a lot. Uh, and and I'm just wondering what your thoughts are around um, surrounding yourselves with experts via or using social media capacity. Do you have any thoughts around that? Yeah, I, I do because I, I I love social media and I and I certainly get involved in blogging and involved in tweeting and Facebook and LinkedIn and and all the other forms of social media that that are coming our way. But I, I guess it's about um, having a filter on to know where to listen and where where not and what's relevant. Uh, the, the key really is about relevancy. Um, I can listen to broad um, conversations, but if it's not relevant to me now or relevant in some way perhaps for the future and I'm just engaging in things 
to, to fill the space. I, I think that's the huge distraction. And we've got to be very clear as to what is the purpose of using social media for us and which experts do we follow and why do they resonate with us? Because it's clear that for some, an expert um, will give, they'll be looking for certain criteria and for others, they'll be looking for, for different things. I, I believe the people that I, I follow, the, the sort of things that I love about them is it resonates, it's either their style that resonates with me, like Seth Godin, for example, mm -hmm. his style in his blogs really resonate. Um, some of the other key leadership blogs, Harvard Business Review really resonates with me, mm -hmm. Creative Skills Leadership Council re resonates. Becoming part of conversations that connect to our values um, is really the, the one thing that makes a difference. And I try and let other things go. Um, I will ask other people what they're engaged in and why. And if I feel I want to dip my toe in and have a look around and play around, for a while that's okay. As long as I stay true to the core reason that I'm involving myself in it, to be a better leader and to understand leadership um, in its many, many diverse diverse forms. Um, that's that's really good. So I've got one one other question around point one because I I want to make sure we get through the the five things. Um, you mentioned a mastermind group, which is a fantastic idea, especially when you're uh, in your own organisation, like I know you and I both are. But um, mm. if you're um, you know you know you're a HR manager or director or a learning and development professional, how could you take this concept and apply it when you're in a um, a corporate work? space. Have you got some suggestions around that? I, I do and I, I think it's the it's underpinned by a sense of trust. Who in your world would you trust enough to form an alliance with that you can share critical information with that um, is confidential now and in the future and that you are willing to expose some of the frailties or challenges that you have um, I think the first thing really goes to look at do you have people in your networks with whom you have this high-level trust um, and approach them one by one. So it might be perhaps a former colleague at another organisation yeah. that you've worked at where you can get together, you know, in, in much the same format as you were talking about and, and really, um, you know, focus on some key challenges in your business but know that it's in a, um, a confidential environment. That That's exactly right. And the way that we've gone about it, we um, there are people mostly who who've share similar um business models to myself, mm -hmm. but then there are a few people who are doing things very differently. And I think sometimes it's the people who are doing things very differently are making a bigger difference because we can fall into the sameness model. Absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I love the executive connection model and the CEO connection model where they bring in, you know, um, a group of people from different industries together, non-competing industries, and they share business challenges. Um, and that's built on trust and it, it, talking about the everything from your business strategy to how you're managing or how you're not managing. Um, and the idea is to have accountability in these meetings. You can, you can have them and have great 
conversations and coffee, but if there's no accountability and follow-up, I wonder whether or not it's just an expensive day out of the office. Mm. Um, and I, I think that's where we've got to be very mindful of having conversations with people who share the same um, intent and value about about that day. Um, what do you want to get out of it and why? And what actually is going to be your contribution to making that day a valuable one, um, for, not just for yourself but for other people who you who who are coming along on a regular basis, be it once every quarter or whatever it is that you you actually find. It's finding a, a group of colleagues. You might start off just with three people. You might, and I think an ideal number is around seven. Um, somewhere between five and seven is a good number uh, of people to aim for, and it might it might not start with seven. It might start with three, and it it takes a while to to get the format right. But it's really well worth investigating. And if anybody'd like to have a conversation with me around how to to do it or what I've done, I'm more than happy to to um, have that conversation with them because. It's uh, it's a great opportunity to go to your colleagues and, and present them with a concept but ensure that there's um, value in it. Great, Ricky. So that brings us on to number two, which was get regular and critical feed forward around key areas they influence so they're accountable to and for improvement. Feed forward, that's a new term. Look, we always hear about I give you feedback, someone gave me feedback. and. Yep. Um, where we tend to live in the past. Um, I, I always think of Nido Cubane, a, a wonderful US entrepreneur who said, the past is a great place to visit, but I don't want to live there. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I, I took that comment away from, after a conference a couple of years ago and I thought, you know, we, we spend a long time going over and over things that have been done and maybe we're overdoing it. Maybe the real opportunity here is what's next? Um, how are we going to make something better? Um, do, are we spending too much time in dissecting dissecting it well after the event or well after an opportunity? So let's consider giving feed forward as we go, not waiting for an event to happen and then sit down and have a a great big debrief and uh, a month later and say, well, what do you think? What could we do differently? Feed forward to me is a concept whereby as we're rolling out processes, we're, we're um, having conversations around what's working, what could we do, be doing better right now, how do we nuance it, how do, how do we adjust it, who needs to do things differently and why, and feeding the right things forward all the time. Uh, to get better outcomes as we go. Mm, now that's um, that's a really different perspective, and I think a certainly a valuable one. Too often we do look so much backwards, and uh, we forget to keep our eye on the current and and the future. So that's that's very valuable. That brings us on to the third one, Ricky, which was attend international and national conferences and build networks. Let's uh, let's share some thoughts on that. Uh, look, uh, of course, at the end of the day, attending all of these conferences can cost a lot of money. Mm. Um, but I, my, my feeling around this is, um, if you don't go, it'll cost, it'll cost a lot more. And the cost is in, um, staff that leave. The cost is in productive workplaces that 
no longer stay productive. The cost is in boredom, the cost is in frustration, and the cost is in doing things the same way for too long. Mm. Um, so I try and look at every event and say, what is the purpose of me going to this event and what would I be aiming for? So, for example, um, I try and go most years to a US conference, a speaker's conference in a different state of America, and I, what I love to learn um, is from these conferences is how the industry is changing. So my, my the premise of me going is to say, well, um, I, for this particular conference, for example, I just came back from Philadelphia, the purpose of me going to that conference was specifically to focusing, focus on marketing and technology. So going to the, these conferences, I give myself a particular purpose and I follow that particular stream for the duration of that of that conference mm -hmm. because I need to understand particular growth areas and hitting one seminar or one plenary session isn't going to give me a direction. It's just going to be a catalyst and I've got to have enough information to come back and do something with it and I can't do it from my desk alone. I've got to have um, influences from a variety of um, speakers from around the world who are all doing things slightly differently. And then, of course, you find out what's relevant for you at your particular stage of business. Um, and in HR, that could be wherever your company is and what, what stage they're at and where they want to be going and how they involve an HR in their, their big platform strategies. Um, and from there, we, I take out the, the most relevant pieces of information and carve it up into digestible chunks of information that I can roll out over time. But I can't do that alone. So combined with a mastermind, combined with a coach, combined with leading, um, having leadership interviews with, with critical thinkers, by getting feed forward from others and observing what they're doing um, and having continuous feedback and feed forward loop, um, the U.S. conferences or international conferences and, of course, from some fantastic local conferences, not just in my area but outside my core areas, give me a better perspective. Mm. Um, for example, I'd love to go to design conferences. Uh, why? Because the way designers think is very creative. Um, recently at a design conference, for example, they got uh, the the designers were looking to um, build some new um, kitchen products, but they got bath uh, and um, uh, bathware people into design kitchenware. Why? They didn't want to always rely on the people in their office to design the same sorts of things. So and we're talking about a big Italian design company who got bathroom people to design the new series of of um, kitchenware and it was beautiful mm. it was and, and they said they couldn't do it just from within they go external I know a colleague of mine has has often suggested when she goes on holidays and she's at the airport she goes to the newsstand and buys a whole lot of magazines that she would never normally read and the whole idea is just to look and look at things differently things that you wouldn't normally be exposed to and how it just changes your perspective on other things that's a great idea. That, that I'll, I'll have to put that on my trip. <laughs> it's coming Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
Having said that, I'd be interested to hear from you, how much time do you think per year professionals in like HR and L&D should be allocating to sort of step outside their world and be exposing themselves to things like conferences and, and other forms of learning that exist outside their businesses? To me, it's about, it's not um, how much time they take out, it's how they prioritise their weeks. So we're not seeing it as a, as a separate entity. Right. We're actually seeing it as part of our week. Now that might mean we have to become better time managers or better equipped to delegate or better equipped to say no to putting out someone else's fire when they may be able to do it themselves, but historically they've always come to HR um, to put out the fires or they've come to L&D to say we need more training in a certain area. Maybe it's about enabling people to become more independent and interdependent. So as part of our week, we actually reflect and take time to have time. Um, if it's seen as a separate entity, I think it can become a bit of a drudge or even can be seen as more work. I've got to go to a conference and I've got to go to this. Um, integrating it into the way we do things and then def um, talking about it back with other um, leaders within your own organisation, sharing some of the things that that um, that you're doing is is a great way. Take for example Atlassian, a Sydney software company who who do this really brilliantly. You know they they will have um, opportunities for their people to take time during them every few months and and have um, a learning day for themselves and come back and talk about what they've actually done um, during during that time. As long as it's got some connection to the business. Um, they have monitors in their office where people can walk around and see what they're doing, um, which are not their natural computer screen, but big monitors. So you can go up and find out all sorts of things about uh, what people are actually working on um, and get inspired by some of the different um, opportunities that are out there. Letting people know what you're interested in so they come back to you um, take it, making it separate, Donna, I don't think it works. I think it's seen as it, um, I haven't got time for that. Yep, rather than you making know, it part of what you currently yeah. do and, and being aware that, you know, that, that's how you grow professionally, that by sitting in your organisation doing the same thing every day, sure, it might get the work done, but um, you, you don't necessarily progress the business, progress your role, challenge yourself, um, you know, question the approach that you have within the organisation. And HR um, managers and L&D are, are often asked to do an overwhelming amount of work um, with very little support um, is, is my experience. So whenever um, opportunities come by their, their way to do anything more, they just don't have the capacity often to take it on board. So uh, what I often say to HR managers, and I'm sure they, they feel this themselves, is that um, finding a, a space in their day to reflect on what's working and what's not and make some decisions regularly to adjust how the day flows is probably um, the key to staying engaged 
um, with the the organisation and staying loving what you're doing because if you're not loving what, what you're doing and, and it becomes very, very challenging and you don't have the stimulus of getting some really good stuff done and not just putting out the fires, then that's the chance or the, the, the time when um, your own frustration can, can... So that brings us on to number four, Ricky. Uh, build strategic alliances with other practitioners and share best practice regularly. Now, we've talked a little bit about this. Let's just explore it a bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes you know, after I've, I've been working within a company for a while, um, doing some leadership programs, I'll say to the HR um, team, so as a result of all the different things that have gone on, um, have any articles been written that are circulated through the organisation around the learning outcomes? And they'll look at me and go, no. I'll say, do, do we have champions talking to different departments, talking about how, what they're doing differently and the impact the your work has, has made um, and the impact the learning and development has made to their de- different department? And they'll look at me and they'll say no. And I'll say, you know, you're out on a limb. You don't have big teams. You don't have a lot of support. So what are you doing to um, engage other parts of the organisation to help your departments work efficiently and effectively? And it's like a light bulb moment for many people. And they say, well, we don't. And I'll say, what would you like to be able to do? And they say, I want to build strategic alliance with other practitioners or with other departments or other organisations. And we can share, not just share best practice, but we can um, get on radio or write articles or, or be seen as an expert ourselves and share this at conferences and share our knowledge. And I, and I would really encourage um, the listeners today to, to look at learning forums within their organisations and set up um, a forum where uh, the the learning has has been championed and exposing it to the different departments within their organisation, so people can actually look in and go, "Wow, I didn't even know we do all of that stuff. I had no idea our company is involved in X, Y, and Z." And those strategic alliances will build huge opportunities, not just internally, but also they build fantastic profile with the company and from there it's wonderful. I think sometimes too um, and I've seen this in plenty of organisations that that we've worked with when you're in a particular department or performing a different role because you're exposed to that information every day you take it as everybody knows it but when you actually step outside that department and you start talking to other people they go well I didn't know we had that I, I mean we see classic scenarios of in an organisation from an IT perspective where mm-hmm. an organisation has, um, you know, a style guide for the typeface and font size they use within an organisation and, you know, maybe one department knows exactly where it is but not the, the whole organisation doesn't because people don't know what they don't know and one department says, well, everybody should know this because I know it. And we often need to reinforce those messages and share that information and, and forums sound like a great way to to do that and keep the message um, being moved around the organisation and I guess creating some momentum. Mm. I've I've got um, a document which I'm happy to share um, with HR practitioners here who are listening on uh, lots of different ways um, HR can make a difference 
um, in their organisations. And the Learning Forum is is one of those. So if anyone's interested, just let me know and I'm happy to, to forward that document sure, on. Terrific. We'll make sure at the end we uh, give everybody your contact details. With pleasure. So that brings us on to the final way, Ricky, and, and I know uh, you and I know we could probably talk for hours and hours on this particular topic, but I know that our time is with our listeners today is quite limited. So let's talk about the final way that you mentioned, which was visit other premises and see processes in action. Let's talk a bit more about that. The idea came to me um, based on the work that I do um, working in leadership programs when I immerse myself in companies' um, culture and people and I sort of walk the floor and see what's going on and talk to staff and, and just observe and be part of the day so I'll spend some time um, in conversation over lunch and watching them do their – not watching them do their work but being on the floor and having conversations. Uh, and then I, I realised that HR managers don't often get a chance to to walk the floor, so they're they're leading um, in a in a different position. They're they're leading from a position of um, being told about what's going on. Um, so we took a couple of HR managers around the couple of different sites in agriculture and in manufacturing. Um, to two businesses that I work with, and they were actually um, quite surprised by the inconsistencies in the stories that staff were telling them. Who and and they said, well, from our understanding, we believe things were a whole lot different. But now that I'm on the floor and I'm seeing how things are going, I really need to have a conversation with all staff together. So it wasn't about going back to people and challenging them and said, you said, but it's saying, let's have a conversation, get some ground rules um, happening and talk about what the elephant in the room might be for some of them. And it made an enormous difference to the morale and the spirit of the organisation because people could see that they were on a level playing field. And HR became um, a more regular visitor to, to the sites and the manufacturing. And they do this now on a weekly basis. Um, the other thing they do, they, when they can't get there, they Skype them with video and they say, take me into your team meeting. Let me have a word with everyone. I want to see them and I want them to see me. So they became a visible, a visible face. Rather um, than just being a faceless name that sits on an yeah. organisational chart. Yeah. And, and I mean, even at last week I was at a, um, a business event and I was chatting to someone from one of the big four accounting firms and I said, oh, I'm in conversation with someone right now. Um, maybe you know them. And she, and, and, and she said, well, I've been there for five years. Um, I don't know her, but I keep getting her emails. She's, I think, isn't she head of HR? And I thought, isn't that interesting? The woman's been there five years, has never met the HR person, and said, how, how, what are you going to talk about? And I said, well, tell me what's on your mind and I'll bring it up. And she said, oh, really? That would be awesome. Um, I've never had the conversation with HR. So it wow. was just... Often yeah. people will, will come into an organisation, they'll be there for the recruitment interview and then beyond that they never see anybody from HR again. And, and I think when HR connect with their staff, um, staff tend to, and they build a good relationship, staff tend to generally solve more problems on their own mm. than coming back to HR just for problems. 
um, because they understand the person behind the HR hat and the L&D hat and they don't want to make their life difficult. Yep. They want to work together and we're talking about a partnership uh, and, and that's what that's, I believe, a way in which HR can actually get more support by con- connecting um, to their staff where and where and when possible. I think that that's a really good point that I think is often overlooked that HR and L&D um, and the staff are in partnership together and you're all working together to achieve the one goal. So there isn't like a pedestal that anybody's put on uh, and and it's really, des- you know, HR and L&D are there to support the business but the people in the business also need to support HR and L&D. It's yes, teamwork. And, and typically um, HR doesn't get that sort of support. Yep. Um, they're under fire all the time. Um, their, their their vote is not is not counted in the way that I think it needs to be. And absolutely, um, they'll, absolutely. they'll get they'll get the votes from the staff um, by building the relationships. And then uh, that that's my experience is to say they'll get better feed forward how things are going and not wait till an initiative is over before they work out whether they've got the right people on the team. Absolutely. Well, I know we're quickly running out of time, Ricky. Mm -hmm. So thank you so much for all your insights on um, how HR and L&D professionals can unlock the human and creative potential in their organisations. Some some great ideas there. If some of our listeners want to get in contact with you after today to to get some of the um, things that you've spoken about, how's the best way to get in contact with you? Sure, there are two ways. They may like to send me an email to leadership at rickynovak.com and my surname is, well, Ricky is spelled R-I-C-K-Y and Novak is N-O-W-A-K. So it's leadership at rickynovak.com. And alternatively, my website, Ricky Novak, will give them access to um, many of the downloads that won't cost them anything but give them some really good value. In fact, there's a leadership audit that on the homepage. It's, it'll take you about five minutes or so to do it. And we have a really good back end of that audit uh, to give you feed forward on different ways to enhance your leadership capability. So I do encourage listeners to have a look at the leadership audit um, on the homepage and and please share it with their teams because if everybody is doing it and that can become a really um, interesting team conversation uh, to to start a a relationship at a meeting, uh, we're having some really uh, great results with um, using our, our material for that. So by all means... Um, either on my website, Ricky Novak, or leadership at rickynovak.com. Fantastic. Or the old-fashioned way and pick up the phone and give me a, give me a call um, and I think you've got all my details. Yep. Well, what's your phone number in case people want to ring sure. and have a conversation instead with you, Ricky? Sure. I'm Melbourne 03 Fantastic. Ricky, thanks very much for your time today and for your your insights. Thank you for joining us for this Expert Insights audio CD. For more information on Prime Solutions Training and Consulting and our services, visit our website, the three W's, Prime Solutions, with an S at the end, .net.au. Until next time, this is Donna Hanson of Prime Solutions Training and Consulting, helping you work smarter and not harder with technology. Bye for now.